Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1488 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA. And when you get there, enter the promo code LockdownNBA, and they'll throw in a free custom Yeti-style tumbler with every order. I should also tell you the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day here at Lockdown Hawks. And find us anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And I'll be joined today... By my pal Richard Stamen of the Lots on NBA Big Board podcast. He's at Mavs Draft, covering the draft year round, a genuine NBA draft expert and a fun two part conversation. It's actually part one you're listening to right now, and then part two will be along shortly after part one drops. But first, quickly, some news at the top of the podcast. Old pal Joe Prunty is going to be heading to Milwaukee to join the staff under now Adrian Griffin with the Bucks. No surprise that Prunty was not retained. Uh, obviously, he is beloved in Atlanta, but once Quinn Snyder's staff started to come together, it was assumed, at least by people inside the league, that he was going to be going somewhere else. Prunty was in demand from what I can what I can tell, but was going to go back to Milwaukee where he was before. Actually, was interim, interim head coach at one point about five years ago, and uh, certainly uh, good to see him land on his feet with a job in the league. Also, the Hawks will be holding a draft workout on Friday with a couple of interesting names. Um, first, they have Gigi Jackson come into town, a potential first-round pick. I'm not sure he would be quite in the Hawks' range, but someone who certainly could go with the top 20, former top five high school recruit and play at South Carolina this year. Also, a personal second-round favorite of mine, Julian Strother, will be coming to Atlanta on Friday, so keep that in mind as well. Uh, interesting guy to keep an eye on. And uh, one more note before I turn it over to myself and Richard. This was recorded a couple days ago. It should still hold up in every possible way, I believe. Nothing is uh, going to be outdated. So keep keep that in mind. It was recorded on Tuesday. So I will leave it there for now. And after the intro, I'll come back with myself and Richard Stamen talking about the NBA draft. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I am joined today by a genuine NBA draft expert. Richard Stamen is here. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, I was telling you before, but listen to your show for about six, seven years now, and honestly, it's an honor. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm just hoping that um, Hawks fans won't be turned off by your by your Twitter handle and your uh, and your background. I, honestly, I'm not sure. This is we're already off the rails, but it seems like the vitriol between Hawks fans and Mavs fans is at a lower level than it used to be. Is this, is this true in your experience as well? So the Suns have overtaken the Hawks. It's a, an <laughs> end of an era and the Knicks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yeah, it's obviously uh, most of that stuff is in good fun for the most part, but uh, yeah, we're here to talk draft for the most part. And uh, you know, the Hawks are pretty interesting through the draft prism. I do want to get into the Hawks, but I do want to start before we do that by asking kind of what you think of this draft class. I've been listening to lots on NBA big board and so I have a general idea of what you think, but for, our, for the listeners, like, what do you make of the class overall? Obviously, you know, women Yama is the big topic in a lot of ways, but, you know, the depth of the class, is this a good draft, all that fun stuff? What do you think about it? Yeah, I went back and forth. For the beginning of the year, I thought it kind of was overhyped. Come February, March, I was like, all right, it's the real deal again. And things turned. For me, it's the top four are pretty solid. There's a little bit of a drop-off to 10. But after that, I think it gets stronger again the whole way till 58 because there are two West picks than, than normal this year. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's interesting because I've been talking about, you know, this Hawks pick is in this interesting spot at 15 where it's obviously not a lottery pick, but it's the best pick. It's not a lottery pick. And I am in agreement with you, generally speaking, like it's kind of flat, but not in a bad way. Like I've I've intentionally painted this very broad picture of this Hawks pick because 
you know, no matter who you are, you always have your favorite guys and I have my preferences for sure. But I feel like there's like 12, 13, 14 guys that could draft at 15 and be pretty defensible. It doesn't mean that I would love it, but I have a hard time, like something genuinely crazy being overly critical of what they do at 15, which is a weird place to be. It's like not great for content, I guess, but like, Hey, it's fine. Take whoever you want. <laughs> But does that make sense? I mean, the Hawks are in the middle of the first round. If it, and from what you just said, it's kind of like in the middle of that uh, of that zone where it's pretty strong, but it's also kind of flat. Yeah, I love it personally. I mean, on my board from 12 to 25, I think you can make the argument any one player could be taken in that range, right? Like there's completely interchangeable for me, which is very rare, I feel like, to have that wide of a range in that draft in like any one draft. Yeah, I think it is for sure. And um also you know the last couple of years and I, I know you noticed this as well there seems to be a guy or two that falls unexpectedly and the hawks have benefited from that i, I feel like i've said that a hundred times on my show recently but no one had the hawks getting aj griffin a year ago and that he just kind of fell in their lap and you can't expect that to happen but it also adds another layer of intrigue like someone like case wallace keeps getting projected to fall into the hawks range and it's like i think he's going to be gone by then but maybe he won't be or maybe somebody else will fall and um, that's a wrinkle too. So, I mean, you just said at 12 to 25 is kind of where your, uh, where your thought process is there. Um, you know, before we get into real Hawk stuff, I do want to ask you, even generally speaking, um, first rounders, I suppose, but do you have a guy or two that you seem to be higher on than the consensus? And they could be Hawks guys too, but feel free to go above that if you'd like to guys that won't be available. I, I wonder like who you're actually liking, like who are your guys in this draft? Yeah. So, I'd, I'd say one of them is Kobe Bufkin, who might be in the range for the Hawks. I have him 12th yep. on my board. He's somebody who is 19 years old as a sophomore. Really just no holes in his game. I just I don't think you can pick apart his game. He's kind of new as a point guard, so his point guard skills need a little bit of refining. But there's nothing glaring in that regard, and he needs to have weight. That's about it for the weaknesses. I'd also say Dariq Whitehead is somebody who I really like. I think he's somebody upside and in, in disguise with injuries and a little bit of weight issues over at Duke. I think he's somebody who's one of the best shooters in the class, has a lot of ball skills, defensive upside. I think he's a star in just in hind, like uh, in hiding. But the other guys, I would say there's three second-round guys I like, Trace Jackson Davis, Isaiah Wong, and Mike Miles. I think each of them add different elements at their different positions. Yeah, it's kind of funny. As we were talking um, on – yeah, it's Tuesday when we are talking, but Isaiah Wong supposed to come work, work out for the Hawks on Wednesday, so that's actually good timing on that. He's coming to Atlanta. Mike Miles was here last week, so – the Hawks have been working out more second round guys than first round, which is kind of expected. I was going to ask you this too. Like Hawks fans have kind of panicked at the, I guess, relative lack of big names that have come through Atlanta. And I try to urge them like, Hey, 15 is a weird spot because guys that are lottery picks don't want to work out for the 15th team. Cause they don't want to fall that far. Like they, I'm not sure if you saw this at all. They announced case and Wallace was coming earlier in the week. And then like two hours later said he wasn't coming. And that's, it's pretty normal for that to happen, but obviously when it's a big name player and all Hawks fans see is me announcing that he's coming and then me announcing that he's not coming. Like, is it weird to you? Like, do you, like how much do workouts on who work, work, works out for who's, how much does that matter to you, especially for a team in the Hawks position? It very rarely means anything. I mean, yeah. most of the time I feel like it's due diligence, right? Like the teams are just trying to interview and get to know somebody, whether it's for Intel down the road, I think it's kind of meaningless. Guys can cancel all they want. I mean, I always think of Nick Claxton, who he had a workout for a team in like the teens, and then one second he canceled his workouts, one second round. Like it, it really doesn't mean anything, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the obvious example I've been using recently is that the Hawks didn't have AJ Griffin in the building last year. They just took him. So I, I mean, they obviously knew him. 
but even that was a guy with medical questions on some level and they still took him without having him in the building. So it's very normal. That would happen. I wouldn't worry about it really at all. I do want to follow up on the guys that you said you liked in the first round as we kind of get into some Hawk stuff in a second. You know, Kobe Bufkin is a Michigan guy, so I've seen him play quite a bit. Um, but uh, you mentioned his point guard stuff. Do you think of him as a lead guard primarily? I mean, he's got decent size, you know, 6'4", so didn't really play on the ball until the second half of the season most of the time. They were playing through Jet Howard more early in the season. I'm saying a lot there about, about a guy that I've seen a lot of, but, like, what do you think his projection actually looks like? Because, you know, for the Hawks, they don't really need a point guard, so to speak, but um, obviously a lot. He, he's kind of well-rounded beyond that. Yeah, I mean, he's not really a point guard, but he's also not like quite a shooting guard. He's a textbook combo guard, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit redundant, especially when you already have two kind of lead guards, obviously, in DeJounte and Trey. And they have different elements that they bring. But I think off the bench, I just, I'm a believer in this NBA. You can never have enough guards and ball handlers. And he can also play off ball enough where I think it really does work, especially with bench units. I think he's somebody that would fit in Atlanta really well. And he plays defense. Like, that's that can't be understated, too. Like, he would help the backcourt defense, too. I was going to ask that as a follow up, just because, you know, a, a lot of guys, I won't, I won't say a lot, a few of the guys in the Hawks range, I think of as, def- as defensive questions. And your mileage can vary as where the Hawks could take those guys or not. You know, that's been a bugaboo of the Hawks and justifiably the last year plus is that their perimeter defense has been pretty bad. And I'm of the mind that you can't just cross guys off, but all things equal, I'd like to have a guy in the building if I'm the Hawks that is projects as at least a pretty good defender or better. Um, you talked about Buffkin's defense. Like, what's the selling point on him? Is it just that he could do everything in your mind, or is there something that's like really stands out to you as to why you like him so much? Yeah, I think it depends on how you view players like him. There's some school of thought where it's like, you know, young players who can already do a lot but haven't mastered anything yet, that's upside. I know there's a lot of people in the NBA that truly do think that. There's also the whole, he has one of the highest floors. He can contribute right away. You can get probably a a lower level free agency value in the draft with him um, right away. But for me, I just, I think it's, look, you look at what he can do when he adds strength. I think he's already a good shooter, can get a lot better. It's, It's a mix for me. He's got the high floor, high ceiling. And when you have that situation of a player, I just think he's somebody you can't pass up on where if he gets stronger, his defense is going to turn from very good to great. And that that's always beneficial. No team is going to turn that down no matter what their, what their needs are. That's a plus guard, a guard who can shoot, defend and pass. Like that's just, that's too good of a, a player to have. I just, I really do think he's someone who can fill so many different holes any given night that he becomes a playoff-ready guard in year one, and he's going to be 20 in the playoffs next year. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every single player on your roster is a perfect fit for you. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part has to actually just fit perfectly and just right inside your car or truck. So the next time you're looking for parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every single part that you need fits perfectly and does so the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to look and know the parts will be fitting or your money will be coming back to you. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when it comes to shopping at eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's really easy to bring home a win when the right parts are actually guaranteed for you. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The other guy I wanted to ask you about that you just talked about was, was Derek Whitehead because 
it's become kind of a meme locally because he's a he's a one and done Duke player and the Hawks love one and done Duke players for whatever reason. It's a different front office now, but it would be undeniably funny. I'm not saying bad, but undeniably funny if they were to take another one and done injury kind of question mark Duke guy. But Derek White is a really talented player. I don't know if you have intel on the injury. I'm I'm of the mind like I'm shrugging on the injury stuff. Teams will know more than we do. We can't really know. But let's assume for a second that he's going to be healthy. What's the selling point on Derek Whitehead? Yeah, he's a great shooter. He has very untapped potential on ball because he was a misfit at Duke. I think he's one of the tougher evals in this class because there was Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Roach held the ball a lot at Duke. Derek Wively needed a lot of touches inside. He was a defensive guy. There was a lot of focus on him. Kyle Filipowski had the ball a lot, even as a stretch four or five. So Derek Whitehead at times came the fifth option and he has ball skills. He can shoot the ball. He has the perimeter ability. Again, I think the health is going to dictate kind of how good he can be on defense. If the foot stuff is all right, it's in the past. He got it fixed with the surgery that he got over the summer. And that's making him miss all the pre-draft workouts. If it fixes it, you take it in a heartbeat because with him, he's high upside as an off-ball player that can grow into an on-ball player with defense and self-creation. I just, I think that's the star mold. There's a reason he was a top five recruit, right? And you don't just go from that to, to nothing. I just, I really feel like his overall tape was really hid his actual ability. Duke was a bad spot for him. And he still was able to shine in a lot of different ways, statistically, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to figure him out. I will certainly admit that. But, um, you know, top three, top five RSCI guy, you you can't ignore the talent. The injuries are a very good explanation for what happened. If you want to see them as that doesn't mean it's that's gospel. Like There is a little bit more inherent risk with a guy who is currently banged up and has that question. But I do think that would be a pretty easy sell if they are convinced on the medical side. Um I just thought of this. I should ask you this earlier, but so before we really dive into some Hawk stuff in particular, uh, where are you on the number two, three overall debate? Are you a Scoot guy? I actually don't know this about you. Yeah, I, I'm all the way in on Scoot. That's I, what just, I, I thought that was. I thought it was, I couldn't remember if that was true. Or not. <laughs> Brandon Miller's good. He'll be a good player. I don't think there's a world where he can be the second best player in the draft. And I might come back to this in three, seven, ten years and say, you were an idiot, Richard. What were you thinking? <laughs> but I just, I get it. He's six nine. He's a wing. He has some ball. He has good ball skills. He can defend. He can shoot. It's ideal. It's more valuable than a six one guard. But like, that's too theoretical. Like there's too many concerns. He shot like 38% in the half court at the rim. Defense needs, I think some decision-making work as he gets stronger. That's a big thing. He's not as ready right away with as high of a ceiling as Scoot has. So that to me, I just, I know you can fit him into any single team. I just think Scoot's on an Island as the second best player in this draft. We agree for the record. Uh, it's not, it's not really a Hawks concern. It's just one of those things that I like to talk about a little bit on the show when I have people that are draft people on the, on the, on the program. But yeah, we agree. You mentioned a top four. Who's your fourth guy? I'm in Thompson. That's, that's what I thought. I mean, he's got, he's kind of the consensus guy. He's polarizing, but, uh, is it just the bet on the on the? I mean, in my opinion, he's like a hundredth percentile athlete. He's just a ridiculous. Is that, is that really what it comes down to? Is that and maybe the feel? Yeah, I think it's you know I've, all this stuff is getting overcomplicated and overthought. I really think Amen's not that hard of an evaluation. Yeah, his shots bad. The hardest part of his evaluation is how bad will that shot hinder his game, right? Yeah. And we've seen guys who have bad shots but elite pick and roll ability and athleticism with good feel and they don't make bad decisions, like they thrive. Like, especially when you're six, seven, those other guys are like six, three, six, four, maybe even under John Morant's like six, two, 
I just and you're six seven that athletic and you have that feel and my god his passing accuracy is crazy. I just have a hard time seeing that not translating. Even even from OTE and without a jumper, yeah, teams can sag off. But also, like, if teams go under the screen, he's going to make them pay. It's not like he's just, like, lost. He already had to face that in OTE. Yeah, I was going to ask um, what it looks like if he doesn't, if he doesn't shoot. You know, that's, that's the question everybody keeps asking if they're, if they're doubting, especially if they're doubting a man is like, okay, let's assume he doesn't shoot can he still make an impact and can he still justify the draft slot? Because, you know, it, it is admittedly, it's, it's hard to be quote unquote worthy of a top four pick. If you really, really can't shoot in the modern NBA, but maybe he's the kind of guy that can do it. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I just, I think I'd be more concerned about his comp level of competition scaling up right away. Cause he's 20 years old. And just for, just for a reference point, Mike miles is three months older than Brandon Miller. Who's a junior in college. Mike Miles has just finished his third year in college and he's four months older than the Thompson twins who are playing high school competition. I'm more concerned about the competition scaling up because we just don't know. Yeah. Um, the guys who were in it last year, just not a good enough sample size, but Dominic Barlow looks good. I just, I really feel like you can't ignore the ability. Like these guys have been hyped up forever for very good reason. Makes sense to me. Um, and I promise we're going to get to more Hawk specific stuff in a second, but I have one more, non-Hawks question, uh, at least at the top of the draft. If you had to pick, I, I guess this, this is kind of a roundabout way of, say, of asking who your, who your number five guy is, because it's it's interesting to me, that's the, kind of the consensus tier break. Not for everybody, but between four and five. Um, is it a big break for you between that top four and the next guy? And if you had to choose someone that's not in that top four, who's your favorite guy? Yeah, it's it's a gap. I think that's for me where I'm not comfortable choosing one single fifth player. So I went with the yeah. guy who I see as the highest floor. Really, it's two guys. You can pick your poison, but shooting kind of is the tiebreaker here. You can probably imagine where I'm going. It's Taylor Hendricks barely over Jairus Walker. I think both those guys are going to be just ridiculously good at a very early age. I've always said the Taylor Hendricks stuff is – I mean, he was the number one shot blocker in his conference, and he's not really seen as a rim protector. But mm. for me, I think – if you got, I don't know if you remember, this is such an obscure reference, but Robert <laughs> Covington went to Tennessee State his yep. fourth year, like his, his last year there. He had to do everything. He was a shooter. He was a ball handler. He was a defender. He was a passer. Like he did everything. He protected the rim even. If you got that version, I think he was 23 years old when he did that and he came out in the draft. If you put that version of a player in a 19-year-old's body and let him grow from there. That's what Taylor Hendricks is. So you get a four-year head start, really, because Taylor Hendricks is actually very young. I think that's what you're getting. You're getting one of the premier forwards in this league that can just do everything. And pretty much the same with Jairus Walker, except just less shooting upside. There were a few minutes at one point when it looked like the Hawks might have a chance at Taylor Hendricks, and then it kind of evaporated pretty quickly. It was like, okay, maybe he'll be a mid-first-round pick. And then within – I mean, I'm sure you noticed this too. Within a couple of weeks, it was like, by the way, Taylor Hendricks consensus top eight, top ten guy. Like, okay, that's probably off the rails now. And look, maybe he falls unexpectedly. I don't see that happening. Um, I like him, I like him too. I like Jairus – I'm a sucker for Jairus Walker. I'm sure Hawks fans will laugh at the, if they know anything about Jairus Walker. He's like the least sexy – prospect he's he, he plays deep plays great defense he's a great passer he's like right up my alley so he's the guy i lean to but i will admit it's because he just says he checks all those boxes I think him and anthony black are like my guys in that range um but that is probably just me being me yeah i'm not as big on anthony black but i think Jer i think the upside with anthony black is very obvious i just think he's got a lot of stuff to iron out so early on and will he be able to come overcome those like turnovers passiveness and shooting 
Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing comfort, fit, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great and comfortable in my own skin when wearing Bird Dogs gear, and Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and lay to give you that sculpted look you're looking for, and they fit much better than regular shorts. They're, made, they're actually made sometimes of that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs also fix that issue by inventing their cloud knit fabric. It looks just like khaki, but also stretches, giving you that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice anything when it comes to movement. They also have the anti-sweat wicking fabric that you're looking for to keep you cool and dry all day long. And in the end, Bird Dogs makes incredible products. You're going to want to check that out by going to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you get there, use that promo code LockedOnNBA at Bird Dogs. If you use that code, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with each and every order. And one more time, the place to find everything you need in this space is birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Before I ask you about some players, and we talked about a couple guys already, but uh, taking a step back on the Hawks side, you know, I guess the way I'll ask it is like, what did, what would your overall approach be with this pick? You know, you know the context, you follow the league, you know where the Hawks are. I'm not saying you know to choose trade up, trade up. Like, where where you want how you you want to approach this? But knowing what you said earlier about this kind of being a pretty flat range, um, and their roster, like, what are you looking for? Knowing that you don't know who's going to be there, but like, go, let's say the day before the draft, what's in your mind if you're the Hawks? Yeah, um, I would say you don't have to pick somebody, just pick somebody. Yeah. You know, I, I <laughs> really think if you like someone that you think you can get three spots later, I, I just, I'm a big proponent of this kind of principle and theory just every time. It's like, same thing with the Mavs is look, you're a team that has a lot of debt in terms of first round picks from the DeJounte Murray trade. Move back three, four, five spots, you can probably squeeze in a first rounder there for the future to at least recover something. I think that stuff's really important. Like, again, if you want to reek Whitehead at 15, you can probably get him at 20 because I think the teams are, they're going to drop him because of the injury. They're going to go, well, we could have somebody who we got to work out in person. We got to see them in person. We like this guy. There's no health concern. If you think Dariq Whitehead can work, I know like the whole memes and everything about the one and done <laughs> injured guy, but. Like, I just, I feel like something like that would be too good. If you can move down a few spots, get your assets and get your guy, just that's, that's the dream. I really do think it's that simple. And they're definitely, especially like 15, I think that's where teams will be buying. So I don't know. That's, that's my whole theory is just trade down and get who you want. Yeah. I think I, I like that idea. And, you know, I've gotten some questions. I'll probably answer them later on in the cycle about like, specific trade down options you know brooklyn has back-to-back picks 21 and 22 i don't know if you can get both of those picks for 15 but maybe you could something like that i mean we've seen it fluctuates you know we've it's it's been a few years actually so we've got a, like a true two pick for one in the same draft trade they used to happen more often it feels like you know denver made a couple of those back in the day the donovan mitchell was you know, all this it's kind of like you know Indiana has 26 and 29. Is that enough to go up to 50 to go down? I, I don't know. It's uh, it's, but it, like you said, it could just be moving back a few spots and getting a future, getting a future facing asset that can really kind of replenish that stockpile. And look, I know that I don't want to say no fan. Most fans never want to trade back. And I understand it's not like fun because you think, okay, I fall in love with this one guy and now we could maybe take this guy, except now we're going to move back. That's never going to get the huge cheer from your fan base when, when you move back. But I, tend to agree because look, you and I seem to be aligned on this. Unless someone unexpectedly falls, I'm likely to have a similar grade on the guy that I'm going to pick at 15 versus the guy I would pick at 19 or 20 in this draft. Doesn't mean that I wouldn't prefer someone that could be gone in that, in that, in that five picks. But I think if you get the right offer, 
like you kind of have to maybe do it. I guess maybe the counterpoint, I'm sure I'm listening to Hawks fans in my brain now asking me this, don't they already have 10 guys? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's very, that's overly, overly simplistic, but if you're a Hawks team that already has, you know, your top 10, do you want to add two rookies? Do you want to add a rookie and another? And I wouldn't think that way, but I can kind of just throw that back at you. It's like maybe, a, maybe a counter, but I also think that getting cost controlled, cheaper players is going to be good for this Hawks team because they're very expensive. Yeah. Especially with the new CBA too. Like, I mean, you've got to be able to find those cheap players at a high rate, right? Like, you got to get the best bang for your buck possible. I totally agree. And look, uh, we can talk about luxury tax stuff at, at another point, but if, if the Hawks do have a mandate again to get under the tax, they're going to have to do it building cheaply in a way they haven't. So, far. I mean, they've, they've hit on some draft picks, that, but they were drafting higher then because they were in the middle of that rebuild phase. And now they're trying to draft in the middle. And it, it's worked two years in a row, I think, with Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin. But we'll see if that looks like uh, in the future. Um, I, I mentioned a guy earlier, Casey Wallace. He came up a lot. I mentioned the reasons why because of the, of the workout, but he had already been the guy that I had kind of circled as like my best case scenario player within re- relative reason. You know, somebody could fall unexpectedly, but because I've seen him mocked by people that are using Intel in their mocks, ESPN, Athletic, whatever, getting down in the Hawks range. So he would be the guy that I kind of circled as like my best case scenario guy. Let's say, uh, to, I'll put it back to you, like within reason, what would be your home run Hawks pick at 15? Yeah, I think it's somebody slipping. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't think Kaysen slips. So I I don't I don't either. But it, it seems to just kind of be a little bit out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's possible. I I think actually somebody who I don't know how sexy of a pick this actually is, <laughs> and I don't know like I get it because right away I feel like you have to be able to draft a shooter. So I hear me out, but I think Leonard Miller's like he's legit. I I'm all in on the G League Ignite program. They make guys, you know, even if they're not as great as they should be on the court, they're so far advanced from their peers in terms of being professionals off the court that that stuff's going to help them get back ahead on the court. Whether it's one year, two, three, however many years it is down the road, not to sound like LeBron in 2010, but like not one, not two. Like, you know, I think (laughs) I really do think that that stuff does matter, though. And Leonard Miller's a guy who's a 6'10 ball handler, at least in transition. He needs to improve his handles and everything. But you look at somebody who, in theory, you could easily develop him into a 6'10 slasher who can pass the ball and defend. Even if he never develops that jump shot, having a 6'10 guy who can do that just throws off the defense so badly that I just don't know how you have an answer to that. And that could really change. Obviously, you probably couldn't play him and Capella too much next to each other, for example. But it makes just for so many different unique lineups that teams – it's just unpredictable. I think it makes it hard for teams to defend and to really game plan against. Yeah, it seems like Leonard Miller is a guy that's kind of all over the place in terms of evaluation. Um, and he was on my list. I wish I could. I wish I could share share my screen with you. He was the number one guy I was going to ask you about on the Hawks list because uh, I'm trying to ask you about some guys I haven't talked about a lot. And he's one that I haven't talked about a ton on this on this podcast. The fit would be interesting. Um, you mentioned a little bit about him there, but you know, this is a guy who's you know he's six ten. Um, do you think do you, do you view him more as a big? Like, how do you view him as far as like developmentally? Even he's he's, a, he's kind of in, he's kind of an in between player. He's a positionless for, front court player is yeah. how I like to call him. Like he's just he's a front court player. He can play the three, he can play the four, and he can play the five. I think he's really just situational. Um, also, he has the Kawhi mark that Toronto uses. That whole like six ten with seven two plus wingspan, ten plus uh, inch hands, and 
those players generally hit like Tari Eatson was in it last year. Uh, Kawhi, obviously I think Patrick Williams or someone was like the worst player to have that combination, <laughs> which is saying something. So for me, I just, I love that the combination of age defense size, the playmaking ability is growing shooting could be something that he could um, grow into. I mean, he shot 80% from the line in the G league. There's just too much there where it's, it's like, okay, if we miss on this guy, fine. But even a miss doesn't feel that bad, right? Where it's like, okay, we got a positionless front court player where he can just be a mismatch. Like, it doesn't need to be super complex. And he's probably an average rotation player across the league. He doesn't need to start, but he can have an impact. All right, that will do it for today's part one of two with myself and Richard Stedman. We'll have much more. In fact, stay tuned on the feed right now for part two on the NBA Draft. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, etc. Please follow the show on Twitter at Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow Richard as well at Mavs Draft. And we'll see everybody next time.